Good evening, good morrow, and good morning, everyone. I'm sure you know where we are by this point. And if not, welcome to the Den of Iniquity. Here we've got gathered the one, the only, so motive, gay, three, five, sec, three, five, sex. That's not the right word. Three, five, seven. I'm going <laughs> to. We have the one and the only, so mode it be, 357. Welcome, brother. Thank you again for dambling down into this dark, damp place. How are you doing? Oh, Wes, how are you doing, brother? Um, I'm glad I'm here, and we're here again and ready to um, share our stories. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. This is this is Modern Masons, episode two. Uh, yes, last, sir. Last we left off, you have some, some very personal stories, and we want to keep that going. Masonry is okay. a very personal journey so what i want to what i want to crack open with this one is who you were before you were a mason right we we know each other now because we are masons right but we yes. wouldn't have known each other before that point at least not not in this way so let's 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 crack into this who were okay. you before you became a master mason my brother well started off um back in 2000 2012 where um, activism really played a huge part of my life I joined uh, the group called Anonymous. It's um, one of the biggest activist group in the world. And we actually started Million Mass Movement, not just us, but we all played a huge part in developing that, that movement. From that on, everybody you mingle around within that setting is more like um, anti-Masonic ideology. Yeah, I definitely think when you look at the general, again, my conspiracy theories, right, on Anonymous, those things that, that, that emanated from my, just my media perspective, I would, I would say they certainly seemed a little anti-Masonic, more on the conspiracy series. Yes, conspiracy. They, you see signs, them. Yeah. <laughs> they make signs, actually, protest with it. And um, to me, I'm like, okay. And, you know, from my background, I have families that are in Mason. So to me, what's really in behind that door? Because I just don't want to, you know, be part of something and be against something that you don't have no clue about. Right. So to me, I'm like, okay, let me dive into this and really see what it's like. What did and, you uh, find in there when you started in that? Because like the Million Mask March, that's a that's a really big movement. Yeah. What, what motivated you to be involved with that in particular? Basically, just a part of me wanting to um, be a part of changing the world. Because it's very important now that we take parts in this type of movement. So you start that wave of evolution. And protesting is really about your consciousness developing. And that freedom you feel when you walk through the streets of D.C. and knowing that your group is shutting the whole city down. Oof. That's, to me, if you haven't felt freedom, you need to start there. Because D.C. is one of the most powerful cities in the world. And knowing that your group alone shut down the whole city for a whole day. Shit's exciting. That that that's okay. So I I, I follow. I'm starting to see some of the general the, the the space behind that because I I get that. I get that wanting to be a part of like something greater, something bigger, wanting to cause change, but realizing we're tiny tiny ants on our own. We need to calm them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if you heard of uh, Mike Brown. Yeah. Mike Brown back in um 
I forgot what's the St. Louis, I think, when they had the whole protest. And most of my friends started that movement back there. And you know how big that was. And that yeah, was, was when huge. that was when protesting was to me, it was pure. It, it wasn't tainted with no political ideology. And that's what protesting is about. It's about changing the world, not being sided on left or right. So yeah, so take me into that. What is what is what exactly is in your mind, you know, protesting in the proper way? What is the purpose of protesting and how do we do it the right way? Okay. To me, protesting is more like of an like an art. You have to treat protesting like an art. Because art is only it, it it only gives you know price on the art by the person that's looking at it. Price has no art has no value if people don't put any value on it. So protesting is you can go walk down the street with your thousands and thousands of people. If people don't want to pay attention to you, it doesn't mean anything. I like the way that you define protesting as an art, especially because when you look at art, art, art is about a two-way perspective. Now, inevitably, it's not that that two-way perspective has power, right? To the artist, the purpose that they put into that particular piece is theirs and theirs alone. But there's a two-way aspect that it's it's not intended to be only received by the artist. It's created with a visual aspect. It's created with some you know way to engage with the outer consciousness, and that's where the the you know the beauty of the artist comes in is how well they're able to transition and pass information from them through this medium and outward. And you talk about protest, even Martin Luther King Jr. really defined peaceful protest. If you define your music by nothing with noise, right? Only those who are amidst the noise will be able to find any kind of recognition with it. But when you have it as music, as art, well, then it's a then it's something that, that, that can really be experienced, like a symbol, like the craft. So I was like, oh, he's dropping secrets. Those who are listening, write this shit down. That's right. That's right. Just like you know the craft. You 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 can know the, the ritual word for word verbatim but if you don't make the brothers feel that they're in the middle chamber then so what's the point you have to give that feeling to the brethren that's watching you that we're in king solomon's temple like there's all it started that's the power you know that's definitely the difference between what I call magical Masonic moments or momentous Masonic moments is when you have that belief, because collective belief, right? You talk about the power of working together, like in the Million Mask March, like being a part of Anonymous, these initial drives, which you feel freedom when you are a part of a collective. So anyway, my first freedom was at a, a nudist pagan retreat in Kansas. So being able to walk around stark naked amidst a bunch of other stark naked people, all pagan practitioners with some crazy ass sense of spirituality, walking amidst and amongst the gods to the Elysian fields to descend to the depths of Amenti itself. This experience to me and to be amongst my people, humans, but to not feel as though we were hindered by being humans within our culture was, yes. it was insane. Like we could yeah. actually be something. We could be something more than just somebody, you know, in this. Like a physical thing. Yeah. Yes. Yes, exactly. And a lot of people haven't gotten the chance to experience these things. 
you know, like people will spend a whole lifetime not even getting the glimpse of that. So, you know, what when you when you first got that taste of freedom, right? Experiencing that collective change, how did you transition there to the fraternity? And I, I know you talked about wanting to know more and and get into that space, but that's a that's a, that's kind of a big drive when you look at some of the the the, the freedom demonstrated in an organization like Anonymous and things like that versus some of the order which is found within the fraternity. That's a big jump. How did you get there? Yes, because uh, maybe it has to do with my uh, my personality. I'm more about life and death. That just don't mean that in a physical form that you're going to die and you're going to live again. Life and death has a deeper meaning that within your whole life, you have to experience these times of life and death. It means change, you know? To me, my life is boring if I don't experience that type of stimulation. You know, that, that explains a lot when I look at you and especially in the, the, the revolving conversations that we have, because I don't, I don't talk to you and I feel like I'm talking to a young, a young Mason. I talk to you and I feel like we're continuing a conversation that we had at the building of King Solomon's temple, you know, like the, you know, nights out staring at the stars, hypothesizing about how to fix or what truly could be the rightest of angles and things like that. And so when I, when I look at you and you talk about these micro deaths, looking at the, the individual death of each hour, the death of each moment, how that can pass you further and further into a hall of dotage of age and understanding. I recognize that in you, in the way that you have this unique approach to life, a hunger. It's like, I'm, I'm desiring to consume those days that I've already lived to find those that I have not. And it's incredible when you look at how you talk about the fraternity. Oh yeah, man. And um, you know, when you showed your um, Grand Lodge, it reminded me of, cause there was a picture there, like two, um, two Masons going into that temple. It kind of reminded me of you and him. When I saw that video. i tell you what, that, that particular mural has a lot of power, a lot of effect. And in fact, when it comes to what will be in a, a future release for those who are, you know, those who are ready, uh, we're, we're doing a meditation series on our Modern Masons podcast. And there's symbology in, in that particular moral, which has deeply inspired me in some of these, these places that me and brother, someone would be a good whip to go for you guys. Yes. How about you, brother? Tell us something about you before you joined the fraternity. Well, to be honest, uh, before I joined the fraternity, I, I, I mean, like most young, youthful, spiritually searching individuals, right? I came from a Christian background and didn't like that. Or it was less of a didn't like. I had questions and those questions couldn't be answered within the very within the surface of the church. And so as I, I sought to seek those answers elsewhere, that led me into varying paths of the, I wouldn't say left-handed paths, but they were just different to Christianity. So it started really with Wicca and, and more just study of like nature, the moon, it just trying to think differently about maybe not everything is God and Jesus, because Christianity is exhausting. Like I would feel so bad to be, if I were God and I were Christ, that motherfucker gets handed everything, like anything. Help me find my wallet. Help me find my, just like that, that, no, that's exhausting. Every yeah. aspect of a, the ideal Christian space is bound in, you know, this worship and veneration and devotion. And it's beautiful. But my OCD, ADHD brain does not do well with that. I need variance. I need change. I need to feel like I can move through it. And so I started going into just 
spiritual practice, you know, really eclectic path. And I found that I could cause and have experiences similar to the most profound ones I had ever experienced in church on my own in mm-hmm. nature or, you know, sitting, just being quiet. And it, 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 obviously the young youthful, like I loved the imaginative visuals that books would give. I loved the aspects of things like Harry Potter and just places where you really got to see magic in such this, such an expressive form that it, it pushed you to believe more. Right. I loved that. That, that, that got me. And so I, I sought and chased things out like that. And that, you know, came and it went and inevitably after uh, a clash with my family, uh, particularly emanating around Christianity and these, these varying variants in belief systems, I found myself needing that gathering again, that, mm-hmm. that, that fraternity. And having left the space of Christian, I, Christianity, I went into this kind of hardcore self-defense. So it became me versus the world, me versus everybody else. That's a really that's another exhausting place to be in because it's not in harmony with the way yes. things actually are. It doesn't it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I you know like you, you can't cast magic. You can't create anything that is in disharmony. So if disharmony is in your intention, then all you're going to get is a personal lesson. Yes, and that sucks. That mm-hmm. sucks. Karma is a bitch. Like and, she's instructive. Yes, and um the 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 craft teaches us about peace and harmony. And you experience it, right? It's yes. not just this, like the, the Bible, right? People are like, oh, you know, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Yeah, don't read too deep into that motherfucker because he's violent in levels. Mm-hmm. But he, you know, you, you, it's theorized there. You come into the craft and you experience it. You experience it. You, yeah. you feel it. It's like in a space where you can, you know, you'll see you know, people from all levels. The dude way up there who's in charge of way more people than I could ever imagine. And, you know, the gentleman who helps, you know, keep the, keep the hall clean, right? Yes. They meet on the level and sit together and speak Always. together. And it's just, it teaches you, you learn from experiencing that harmony. It's like you, you learn by immersion. Mm-hmm. And you bring that after, you bring that when you interact with other people, you bring that peace and harmony with you. So it's a very important thing to, um, really feel the craft not just not just learning it to really feel and live it that's the best part about it i like in a lot of spaces the way they talk about how then let me clarify in a lot of spaces i mean in the emerald tablets and by they i mean thoth or hermes trying to guess depending on how you view the character he'll speak about how of all things you are to make a religion and What's meant by this is not that you should be, you know, you should turn it into this system that you share. And, you know, it's made the way we understand religions to today. But when you take a true devote, you know, a devoted person, a religion is a science of the soul. It is a science of spiritual elevation and ecstasy and, and, and experience and engagement. And this is what you should do with all things, right? So you can consider washing the dishes. Make a religion of that. Make it so that when you're washing the dishes, this is a spiritual communication with God, with all, with the moment that you exist in right now. And with Freemasonry, it is not a religion. It is not a religion. But to be religious with it, when you incorporate yes. it into your belief, you know, those three sisters, faith, charity, and hope. Yep. Belief is, you know, deeply rooted in that. Oh, yeah. And um, and like you said, it, it is not a religion, but it brings you closer to the creator and that's um 
that's why we're here on this planet. And that's why we're experiencing this physical form. And everything you do each and every day brings you closer to that. Because if you have a low vibrational frequency, you will never get the chance to get even a second with the creator because it's so powerful. You need to enhance your energy. That's the whole goal in this lifetime. Enhance your frequency, your vibration to get even glimpse of the creator because you can't spend a whole lifetime with a creator. It's so powerful that you will bless. Moment is a moment. But it is that's, a... that's all we need is that moment with a creator. It's everything. Yes. It's everything. And when you've attained the thing is, now we're not talking that this is something that exists within the crowd. This exists within any system of spiritual enlightenment that is bound personally to you that you connect with, right? This could be an eclectic one that you built. This could be one that was found and formed with you. The beauty to the fraternity has to do with this vibrational frequency, right? We exist here on, on as a level, right? You, you exist wherever you are. The only way you could possibly be changed is by individually willing or bringing and raising your vibrational frequency higher, which you can do, but trust me, it's, it's not as easy as you'd think. Or, stay with me, or you can follow the wise words of someone would it be, and you can help use the power of those around you, right? When you surround yourself with a support system, when you surround yourself with light, more light and light increases that luminosity, increases that space, and it raises you and lifts you up in such a way that you're not alone. That struggle, that space of trying to figure out how you better yourself, how you, you don't have to do it alone because you're getting to raise your energy based off of everybody else's. And it's magic. Hey, I think we're speaking too much now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, it's like, wait, hmm. He's, he's like, let me bring it up. <laughs> no, we're, we're really cracking. This is not even a secret. This is deeper than a secret of the craft. This is the, the secret that you find on your own. You know, when um, Haram, they wanted that master word and he said, I can't give it to you yet. The temple is not built yet. He's not talking about the physical temple. He's talking about you. While you're doing this to me, when your temple is not even built yet, then you are not worthy of that word. I'm like if you have to ask you're not ready yes and that's the message that i took from that i you know i'll be honest the impact made in that story on me personally changed me forever you talk about the power of death mm -hmm. yes i my spirit my spiritual practice is bounded in you know like my 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 guiding spirit or patron is deeply connected to death so it's like there's already a relationship there so when i came into the craft i was like it felt so personal and so immediate to me that the challenges that i didn't know i was struggling with were rectified when i died mm -hmm. when i was able to i love it because it falls into christian names but it's like when i was born again when i was risen when i was raised and made a master mason my life changed forever because i was not the same motherfucker who went down mm -hmm. i rose from a point of darkness into yes. light. And it was a light that I didn't know I hadn't seen. Mm -hmm. And to be able to grasp that when you was being raised, just to feel that you have that support, being helped raised, it's so powerful. You're not alone in that space. <laughs> wow.
Oh. This is this that write that down part, everybody. Holy shit, brother Louie. We are cracking it out today. I'm sitting here like I've got goosebumps running up my arm. I'm trying to like, oh. how do I keep the sweat off my back? This is Woo. intense. Bro, what is this conversation going to? The next level. The next <laughs> level. You know when um when people speak of um exoteric and esoteric knowledge, to me when I hear that and people explain it, I'm like, okay. You, when people talk about esoteric and you speak about that and they give you the example of what esoteric is, you're actually grasping into the exoteric knowledge because exoteric knowledge is the outer knowledge. Esoteric is the inside knowledge. And that's what a lot of people misunderstand about those two different things. It's very different, the outer world and the inner world. You know, the, mm -hmm. these, if you can't delineate the two, then how do you know who, like, where you are? You can you read are. all the books in Freemasonry. That don't mean you you have the esoteric, esoteric knowledge. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I take such pleasure in, especially about being modern Masons today, right, is the fact that in many spaces we are digging through the rubble of lost temples, of toppled eras. And in that space, we're discovering secrets that are always, that have always been there, right? You know, but that are being prepared to be built again. And brother, I'm so excited that we get to, that we get to have these conversations, that we yes. get to delve in to tell the story. I, it, 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 it is a fraternal venture and one that fills me, it pays me well. You can say my wages have been uh, paid. We got our wages. <laughs> we got our wages. Yes, we did. Got paid. <laughs> yes, sir. It was tough. Let, it was tough getting them wages. Hmm. You gotta earn them. You gotta you earn gotta, them. Yes, you have to earn them. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down the skirts of his garment. As the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountain of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Amen. So more be. Boom. Boom. Ooh, oh. That's going to be a powerful one, brother. Ooh, oh, it's going to be fucking great. It's going to be fucking great.